This is All India Radio. In the program Spotlight, now we bring you a discussion on emerging issues in international relations during the COVID-19. The participants are Sandeep Dikshit, strategic analyst and AIR correspondent Shantanu Pratap Singh. Mr. Dixit, we've seen how the coronavirus pandemic has affected global trade and estimates mm-hmm. have put the contraction in the global economy around 3%. So do you see a change in the patterns of global trade as far as this pandemic is concerned and how it is going to affect the ways that economies and nations interact with each other? The pandemic is primarily disrupting trade, supply chains and investment flows. Uh, the pandemic has not yet run its course as yet. So at the moment, this is the time for stopping whatever damage has been done and to ensure that the recovery is faster than it ought to be. In the sense that if we can recover much faster, because it is very obvious to all of us that there is industry shutdown, transport, communications, everything has been shut down. Very difficult question whether after this pandemic is over, what would be done? So what would be the shape? So perhaps as the Prime Minister has also spoken recently, the supply chains will be reordering themselves. The European Union, for instance, has suffered very much because it used to rely on outside assistance for pharmaceuticals, for instance. So they would be looking to boost up their health security. Similarly, in India, we have already built up our oil security and we would be looking to become, as the Prime Minister said, the epicenter of supply chains running throughout the world. In that sense, we have to work towards that goal as a nation and as a responsible nation in the global community. We have to ensure that the supply chains keep on moving, that there is no disruption, that debt burden does not overwhelm some nations so much that the entire trading system then comes under stress. So talking about investment flows and supply chain, do you feel that the foreign direct investment measures that India just brought in to prevent hostile takeovers from foreign companies, things of that sort, would that affect global integration and do you see other economies following that measure as well? If we see that foreign direct investment comes from all over the world, recent change is only in one clause and that clause says that any investment coming from countries which share land borders with India will be scrutinized. It does not stop them. It simply says that there is going to be some screening in it. So in that sense, the target is basically one specific country and that is China because other countries around India do not have that capacity. And what India is doing in line with the global trends. For instance, United Kingdom, Germany, whole lot of countries, they are also putting in measures because the inconvenient truth today is that China is sitting on foreign exchange reserves of over $3 trillion, that its economy is back to working at 80% capacity, while the other companies and countries are still reeling from that impact. They are weak, they are tottering. So this is only a step to prevent what is known as a predatory takeover. And this is just change in clause for one specific country. It may not be also permanent. It might be temporary for some time till the Indian economy recovers. Recently, U.S. President Donald Trump tweeted saying that he could put in place measures to stop immigration in the United States. Mm-hmm. And we have a very large Indian diaspora which relies on the H-1B visas in the United States. Do you think labor movement is also going to be affected severely by this crisis? You see, first is a question of broader philosophical connotations. Because of the global nature of the epidemic, we are all in it together. So no one can really take a unilateral decision. Mm-hmm. And the best vehicle for that has become the G20. 
at the virtual summit if you remember to donald trump was there so was prime minister narendra modi and all world leaders and they came out with a common communique the communique said that no disruptions of any kind will be done and then one of the most significant thing is that the g20 employment ministers are going to meet on thursday so we should be waiting for that and see whether this migration and the labor issue also comes up there which i'm sure it will because mr donald trump or no country for that matter they cannot follow a policy where 30% is all right for them and 70% is not where hcq from india is all right from them but people from india are not so this issue will have to be discussed in a much broader context and i'm sure it will come up soon in terms of global power play do you see a sort of power vacuum developing as the united states adopts policies that might be considered isolationist by some more inward looking and is there a possibility that china could take on a greater role on the international stage to fill that vacuum this is a trend that we had been seeing for the past many years so that is why they were talking of the current century as the asian century where there will be multiple centers of power in the world and all that india is currently doing all it the us president donald trump came to india for instance on one of his very rare foreign visits he does not travel outside the country much so that was itself a signal and a recognition that there is no one power center but there will be multiple global power centers a multipolar world as they say and india is trying to make itself useful in many ways even china is so all the paracetamol tablet supplies or the hcq tablet supplies to over 100 countries in the world was done by india and similarly china also exported its uh, stuff and so japan is also in fact uh, coming into the act by taking a leading role in the g20 on the financial side of things and so this is an indication these these are signals that these countries uh, that are emerging as uh, centers of world power and the world is so large and so differentiated that it will no longer be possible for really china to become the leading country in the world in all respects so everyone recognizes in soft power instance india is second to none similarly there are several approaches of india that are made to other countries such as capacity creation for instance that is alien to the chinese so everyone will have its place in the world everyone will have its place in the sun in the world and this is what india is also trying to currently maneuver itself into a position into a post coronavirus position where its economy develops quickly and it then continues on the path that has been charted out by the previous governments perhaps india's supply of hydroxychloroquine and the evacuation of foreign nationals has gone a long way in making it one of the poles in this multipolar world but speaking about south asia specifically would you think that with this crisis there is an opportunity for south asia to cooperate in a much more extensive manner because we've seen the sarc fund created and generally there were stumbling blocks with other sarc cooperation projects but in dealing with this particular crisis we've seen much more extensive cooperation with all south asian countries so do you see that as a trend with india emerging as a regional hegemon and much greater integration in south asia itself actually as far as allowing someone to emerge as a regional hegemon that is not really allowed by the countries the us never became one and could not become one similarly china could not become one even tiny vietnam takes it on so it is a question of cooperation and development together countries develop together and they cooperate together and that is what india is aiming at the near neighborhood which is the sarc as an extended near neighborhood through the vehicle of the shanghai organization 
So India's extensive diplomacy really extends right up to Iran on one side and on the other side right up to the shores of Russia. But within the SARC framework, India is certainly the leading power. Certainly the leading power because of numbers. It has more doctors, more hospitals, more research institutions, more factories producing it. So naturally India comes in a leading position. And uh, if you notice all through that India's efforts have been participatory. In fact, the virtual SARC conference that took place, which was attended by heads of government of all SARC nations except one, we saw the Prime Minister Narendra Modi and then others speaking in equal measure. So there was a equality at the table and they brought in ideas which were accepted from each one of them. SARC has been functioning, as you put it very well, in the COVID epidemic as a collective organization. That is because of the spirit of equality and that is also because these are unprecedented times. And these unprecedented times also offer an opportunity for SARC to get its act together once again after a gap of so many years. Then moving on to other multilateral institutions, we've seen when it comes to economic measures and mm. other measures of cooperation, the IMF, the ADB, the WHO taking a leading role in bringing countries together. So would you think that there would be a change in how these multilateral institutions operate as it becomes more and more difficult for an individual country to deal with a pandemic of this scale independently? Mm. So would you see that as an emerging trend with more global integration on these platforms? In fact, the World Bank, IMF, ADB, all of them, even the BRICS Bank, which is the New Development Bank, mm. they are all taking a leading role. In fact, the New Development Bank is the smallest and the most youngest of them all. And it has already extended about $5 billion in assistance. And when the Union Finance Minister, Mrs. Nirmala Sitaraman, was addressing the Board of Governors, she said it should be doubled. And similarly, from both and World Bank and the IMF, the finance ministers of G20 countries, they have uh, sought a $200 billion bailout package. So both World Bank and the IMF will play a very, very important role. And this important role is going to be multifaceted. One is debt relief for the poorest countries, for instance. The second is to ensure that immediate liquidity is there with the countries in a coordinated manner. The third is to ensure that there are no measures to take protectionism or to disrupt the global supply chain. And then, of course, there's the health side contribution also, because at the recent G20 meeting of the health ministers, Dr. Harshwardhan participated from India's side. This view that there's an $8 billion immediate shortfall all over the world in primary health requirements to counter COVID. So World Bank and the IMF, they will be playing, in fact, a much more important role than was played by them during the 2008-2009 financial crisis. If we look at it, G20, the World Bank, the IMF and ADB and the other institutions that have been playing a very quick and a very responsible role in this respect. In fact, India has already got a loan of $2.2 billion from the World Bank, $1 million from IMF already. India's leadership role in particular, we've seen India being very proactive in assisting nations in all as far as possible with the drug supply, with regards to evacuation of foreign nationals. So do you think that Indian foreign policy has effectively utilized this pandemic and its response to this pandemic to put India world map again and establish her as a world leader? Yes, there's no doubt the diplomats have been very, very active from the right in the beginning. 
and they had to be in the forefront because this is a global pandemic. It did not begin from a state in India, but from outside. So naturally, diplomats had had to be the front face of the Indian response to all of them. And initially, it can be told now that many nations did not want India to stop flight between India and those nations because they thought that this was a loss of national honor or something. So diplomats had to work around that. And then, of course, there was this question of stranded Indians all over the place. And even today, when uh, so many countries are in a shutdown, the diplomacy is playing a leading role in getting those airports to reopen for the pharmaceutical supply from a factory to reach the airport and then for it to come to India. So even today they are playing that role. And even in evacuation, for instance, the role by Indian diplomacy has always been very efficient. If you remember when General V.K. Singh supervised Mm. the Libya evacuation operation. Or before that, in 1991, there was a mega operation in when in which 1.75 lakh Indians were evacuated from the Gulf. And in all these operations, we saw nationals of the neighboring countries being evacuated also. So that also has an effect when we talk about SARC, when we talk about India's leading role in SARC, India's uh, long-range capabilities that India has developed in the past few years, these also get factored in. And uh, this is what we have been seeing, that uh, India has been active in a multifaceted manner. Since uh, the last question was about IMF World Bank, and the G20, there was this uh, resolution that said that the poorest countries should have time-bound suspension of debt service mm. payment. Now, who would have proposed that? Not Mr. Donald Trump. Obviously, the impetus, it came from countries uh, like Turkey, India, and Indonesia, which were there. So India has been playing a very important role because G20 has now become the primary forum for deciding most economic issues and most health issues during the COVID epidemic. And the other countries that have left out, the 160, 170 countries, they have to be represented at G20. They have to have a voice over there. And so as the leader of G77 group of countries, Mm -hmm. India is one of the leading voices of G20 there and needless to speak about India's previous leadership of uh, developing countries. In terms of the developing countries, the largest chunk where probably the population is vulnerable due to weak public health systems would Mm. be Africa and India has put that point forward. Would you see greater integration between India and Africa? This is a very golden opportunity for India to increase capacity addition in health sectors in African countries. India has done it in Nigeria, Ethiopia, and it must be in a number of other countries also, and uh, make uh, inroads with a soft diplomacy into Africa. Thank you so much for joining us for this program, Mr. Dixit. Thank you so much. You were listening to a discussion on emerging issues in international relations during the COVID-19. The participants were Sandeep Dixit, strategic analyst and AIR correspondent Shantanu Pratap Singh. This program was produced and presented by the News Services Division of All India Radio. This program is also available on our website newsonair.com. You can also follow us on the News on AIR app for updates. You may email your opinion about the program at airnsdtalks at gmail.com.